If you feel it, you know it. D-Rock Productions. Sports Talk with D-Rock. Sports talk with D. Ross. <laughs> so damn important. You better look a little deeper. I don't think it's on the first page. I think D. Ross should check out Sports Talk with D. E. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, I had to open with a little comedy. You know, it's your boy D. Raw coming to you again with this H Town breakdown. And man, I've been under the weather lately. I think it's a bug going around the city, you know, where your throat be hurting and you get sick and you start coughing and you get congested and all that and more. But um, referring back to that intro, I called in on Sports Radio 610 um, the day before Thanksgiving and basically I just had to put myself out there. You know what I mean? You got to put yourself out there somehow and what was better than a sports radio show that thousands of people are listening to daily? And um, I went on there, and they had this think tank. They do this, like, I don't know if it's every day or weekly, but uh, I went on there, and I just told them, I think that you guys should check out Sports Talk with D-Raw. Number one, they were saying D-Raw wrong. is D-Raw. is not D-Ross. Number two, if you put in Sports Talk with D-Raw, I'm actually on the first page. So, little did they know, they try to overlook me, but hey, I got a good thing going here, I'm growing, and I'm going to keep believing in myself, and that's all that really matters, and I hope that you all keep supporting me, sharing the podcast, because one day, I'm going to be big. Anyways, the Texans are now 2-9, and nine, and people bear with me, I'm still under the weather, I'm still dealing with this cold. The Texans are now 2-9. and nine. Um, They took a loss to the Jets, which is very unfortunate because, honestly, I thought the Texans was going to show up in this game. Well, they did, but they played poor. I mean, Tyrod, he came off a game where he looked pretty damn good against um, the Tennessee Titans, but then going up against the New York Jets, yeah, he threw two TDs, one interception, but if you look at the full game, he didn't look too amazing. And then going up against a rookie in Zach Wilson, you think Tyrod would kind of school him in this game, but Zach Wilson actually looked pretty decent in this game. Even though he didn't throw no TDs, he only threw one pick, he put his team in positions to succeed and achieve. But one thing I will tell you, Telvin Coleman, man, he was doing his thing in this game. He was running all over the Texans. David Johnson, just another failure in the game, another week in, week out. Basis thing with him, I'll tell you one thing, though. Rex Burkhead came to play, 
Even though it was 12 carries, 27 yards, he looked like he carried a whole lot more than that in this game. Brandon Cooks did okay. Three receptions, 45 yards. Nico was productive, but not productive enough. Two receptions, 28 yards. You know, he dropped that last uh, pass of the game. Uh, Brevin Jordan was productive as well. I mean, hats off to some of the young guys for the Texans. They played pretty well as far as the receiving goes. I just think Tyrod should have played better for them. Um, but, of course, he's not Deshaun Watson. He, he can't do everything. And overall, if you just look at what Tyrod had to go through, he got sacked five times. So, with all that being said, he still did run the ball for twice and got 30 carries. And plus, he had, on top of that, 158 yards passing. Now, when you look at the Jets' offense, you see a more productive run game in Tevin Coleman. Ty Johnson played awesome. And Austin, Austin Walter played awesome. Um... It was five running backs running the ball for them. They all combined for 150 yards, 157 to be exact. Um, and when you look at all that, their receiving core played well as well. Braxton Berrios, two receptions, 47 yards. Elijah Moore, four receptions, 46 yards. Keelan Cole, two receptions, 24 yards. Ryan Griffin, three receptions, 20 yards. So as he mixed the ball around, I mean, they shut down Jamison Crowder. He only had one reception for five yards. But, you know, he mixed the ball around enough to where everything was moving swell. Um, I mean, the receiving was going. The rushing was going. Quarterback was playing okay enough to win the game. And, man, C.J. Mosley had an amazing game. He had three solos, eight total. Um, and he had a pass defense. He was all over the field. Quincy Williams was as well. So, their defense is what stood out in this game. I feel like the Texans' defense didn't play as well as they usually would. Um, and maybe that's because my boy um, Justin Reed didn't play. I don't know what Justin had to do to have himself sit out um, this past week. But hopefully next week he's playing. From the reports from what I've been saying, been saying that he will be playing this week because they definitely will need him to be a leader on that defense. But um, Zach Cunningham, he showed a, a very improved defensive um, perception this week. Eric Murray, he played solid. Camille, Camille Gruger-Hill, he played solid. I mean, you can't take away too much from these guys, you know, because some of these guys really did stand out. Like Desmond King, I mean, he's starting to show that he's still that competitive DB that he, he has always been, even in college. So, those are good things, you know. Um, but when you look at the pass rush, that's where we struggle. Jacob Martin didn't do much. Jonathan Grenard didn't do much. Now, I will tell you, though, these two guys did have a sack apiece. But when you look at tackles for a loss, Jacob Martin had one tackle for a loss. Jonathan Grenard had zero. So, besides that, that tackle, I mean, that sack, what else is there really to be proud of? Now he did put some, you know, some pressure on the quarterback, but as a as a, a team as a whole on the defense, they have to do better. But for them to do better, they're going to need better players as well. Um, now, when you look at who the Texans will be taking on next week, you know, 
I'm, it's sad to say, but the Texans is probably going to take another L, man. I mean, they're going against the Colts. Now they will be at home. Do the Texans tend to play better against better teams? That That is yet to be seen, but that might be kind of true. You know, them taking on Tennessee and them beating them, and then now they're taking on the Colts. Overall, the Texans have been doing pretty good against their division, um, honestly. You know, um, I think it's one loss in a division so far, and that's to the Colts. So if the Texans can somehow upset the Colts, um, make the tech make the Texans go on to three and three and nine and Indianapolis move on to six and seven, beating the odds of the predictor seventy five point seven versus twenty four point one for the Texans. Texans might have a shot here. So people, when we start looking at all the comparisons, you know, um, looking who's out, who's questionable. So right now, the, the Colts got Quinn Nelson, questionable, Andrew Sandeo, Jack Doyle, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. All of those guys are questionable as of today. And for the Texans, it's Justin McCray, Jacob Martin, Cole Toner, Brandon Cooks, David Johnson. All of those guys are questionable for them. Overall, you know most of these guys are going to play. Um, it's early in the week, and you got a long week ahead before Sunday hits, right? Um, looking at the points per game, Texans average 15, Colts average 28. Points allowed per game, Colts uh, averaging 23.6, Texans averaging 26.5, and the Colts are definitely dominating on the offensive side of the ball. Um, 379 yards total per game, and the Texans average 285. And when you look at it, Colts averaged 234 yards passing and 144 yards rushing. The Colts are the best rushing team in the NFL right now. And Jonathan Taylor is dominating the league. And if you look at the Texans, they averaged 207 yards passing per game, which I haven't seen lately. And you see 78.3 yards rushing. In a game. And then when you look at the yards allowed, the Texans are allowing, and I want to talk about this one. The Texans are allowing 135.6 yards rushing a game. So when you look at that, and you talk about the Colts averaging 144.5, the Colts are going to dominate and control the clock in this game, and they're going to run wherever and however they want to, unless these linebackers step up on Sunday and Kamuk Gruger Hill. And uh, Zach, and both of these guys, they, they, they have to, you know, keep their eyes on uh, what Jonathan Taylor can do. But then you're not even just talking about what Jonathan Taylor can do because you're talking about a whole team of players that have the possibility uh, of running the ball. I mean, you got um, – you have Carson Wentz that can run. You got Jonathan Taylor that can run. And then you got his backups that know how to run the ball pretty well as as well. So, as far as I see it, Texans are in trouble in this game. I don't really see us winning this game. The spread is nine. Uh, of course, it's in the favor of the, the Colts. And the over and under is 45 and a half. So, when you take all that into consideration, I can't see the Texans losing this game by 10 points. Especially 
when we talk about how bad the Texans got beat last time against the Colts. So, overall, man, looking at what the Texans are going to be bringing this week, they don't have much to bring. 31-3 was the first loss. Um, that was away. So, give them a little bit, you know, because they're home, but no one is really there to even make it a home field advantage. So, I'm definitely leaning Colts this week. I don't know if it's by 10 or more, but I don't see the Texans, you know, uh, fighting to even try to get a victory. Because when I look at last week's game against the Jets, to me, the, the Texans really didn't want that game. They could have won the game, but they didn't play like they really wanted the game. They, they played like they wanted to lose so they can be set, tied for number two, uh, worst team in the NFL. Right now, they're tied with the Jaguars, which they got to play again. So, if they, if they lose to the Jaguars... You know, that, that pretty much settles everything out. Texans either going to have one or two. And, uh, you know, the Lions got the worst pick right now. And I, I really don't see the the Texans being worse than the Lions because it just don't look like the Lions are going to get two wins at this point in the season. They might get one, but not two. So, now let's talk about our Houston Rockets. The last time I talked about the Houston Rockets, man, I think we was like, what, 1-16? And we was facing off against Boston. But uh, now we're looking up, people. We're 4-16. and 16. We beat a good Chicago team, a solid Charlotte team. I was actually at the Charlotte game. Had some nice seats, man. Uh, that was a great game. We won 146-143. to 143. We beat Chicago 118-113. And then we took care of Oklahoma City 102-89. to 89. And now we got a backdoor and play Oklahoma City again tonight. And uh, this will be the last game of that series against Oklahoma City. Uh, it's, it's actually pretty exciting to play a team so many times, in, in, you know, in the early part of the season. But um, when you look at this Oklahoma City team, this is a team that the Rockets can actually beat. You know, I didn't think they could beat them again, but now you got a tiebreaker. You, you know, you got two teams that's uh, basically trying to even it out or one trying to get the notch up on the other. And right now... The Rockets had a notch up on Oklahoma City if they get the victory. Um, right now it's tied up, one-on-one. Rockets win tonight. Hey, they take that series, and they can say they're better than Oklahoma City. And it would be bad to say that this young Rockets team has dominated a, a team in the NBA you know, throughout a series, which would be kind of crazy, right? But um, overall, man, it's going to be a good matchup. There's a lot of young guys in that on both teams, uh, a lot of young up-and-coming talent. And I just want to talk about a couple other games that the Rockets might have um, before you hear from me again, like uh, Orlando. Um, they'll be facing off against Orlando. So now, instead of us talking about the Rockets possibly losing 20 games straight, we're talking about the Rockets possibly going on a win streak for five or more games. And right now, they're on a three-game win streak, and they beat Oklahoma City tonight. Again, there'll be four games, and I think Orlando is definitely a team that they can beat. Um, and Orlando is also a team that they haven't faced yet. Now, one thing I will tell you about the Rockets is they play good against teams that don't have really good bigs or teams that play small just like them because they're young. They can run up and down the court, and they know how to get open in, uh, in open floor, you know. Um, and I think Orlando, they got some bigs, but... I think the Rockets can kind of 
play their game, play their style, and, and, and just be able to beat this Orlando team. I actually look forward to this team because, you know, you got Jalen Green uh, versus Suggs. Hopefully Green be back by Friday. I'm not really sure, but hopefully because um, he was out with last Saturday against Charlotte. So they said he would be out about a week. Um, so hopefully he'd be back by Friday against Orlando because I like to see Green and Suggs going up against each other. But if he's not back for that one, we know we should definitely have him back by Sunday against New Orleans. And by that time, I'm pretty sure you guys already hear from me by that time, as usual. But um, looking at New Orleans, you know, Zion, he overweight. And and they haven't really been playing well. And I think at, at this point, New Orleans is 6-17. and 17, So they're not much better than the Rockets. They're both in the same division. So got a little division rivalry right here. You got to see what, what's going to happen because uh, Zion is supposed to be coming back. Ingram is already balling and you, you just got to see what, what's going to happen. You know, what can the Rockets do with green coming back into the rotation? Can green be on point with the rest of the team and know how to get a dub and get a bucket? Hey, it's a lot of questions there for the Rockets and, and, and for green because I want to see Green fall into that lineup and, and get on the right track just like the rest of the team because everybody else has been balling out, man. And I'm really excited about seeing the Rockets get a couple wins here and there right now. So that's all I got to say about them. Now, the Houston Astros, um, they haven't signed Carlos Correa yet, unfortunately, but they have made some moves here and there. Um, so on November 19th, they did... Uh, Select some contracts of the left-handed pitcher Jonathan Bermudez, infielder Jeremy Pena, and right-handed pitcher Sean Dubin from Sugarland, and infielder Joe Perez from Corpus Christi, and they all agreed on terms to move on to the major league contracts. So that's good things if they got people in the field uh, that they feel that you know is ready for the majors and ready to ball out for the Astros. Also, the Astros now they did do something good. They did go ahead and give right-handed pitcher Hector Neris a two-year contract. Uh, he's assigned to, and they also assigned, uh, I'm sorry, they also assigned the right-handed pitcher Andre Scrub outright to the Sugarland Skeeters. So those are the moves that the Astros have made so far. Nothing really to talk about or write home about. Unfortunately, I'm really sad about what the Astros are doing right now because at this point, we're getting defeated in the offseason. And now, you know, they got all this other talk about uh, sitting out for a while with the baseball because they're trying to get all these contracts together, these TV contracts and, and uh, all these bargain bargain agreements and stuff like that that they got to come, come to terms with. So hopefully they figure all that out. But the best thing that the Astros can do right now is actually sign Carlos Correa before they start making all these agreements. Because if they wait... His money gonna go up, and it's gonna go up dramatically. If they're already complaining about paying what they paying him what they uh, don't want to pay him right now, and he's definitely gonna get that and more if all these agreements go through uh, and they wait to sign him. Otherwise, maybe Carlos is still going to Detroit, but you know Detroit has made some big signings as well so far, and they're beefing up. And right now, the Astros are not looking like a dominant team when you let everybody else go out here and dominate free agency 
and you're not dominating in no in no other departments. So come on, Astros, pull through. Now, let's talk about the Houston Cougars, baby. go out there in Cincinnati and let them hear it. every play every down they gotta go hard now like I said I won't be mad if we lose to number four Cincinnati I won't because this is gonna push the committee to put Cincinnati into the playoffs but boy would I love to see U of H upset Cincinnati and win the new year Six. So, if U of H win this game, you know we're going to the New Year's Six Big Bowl. We got to play against somebody big, and we got to go hard. Now, if we lose this game, we're still going to be in a decent bowl, but it's not going to be the bowl that we expect to be in. And, unfortunately, they probably will try to drop us out of the top 25. But, um, let's look at this matchup, man, because... I honestly think this game is going to be a whole lot closer than what everyone is predicting. And it's crazy to say that that we're being overlooked so heavily. I mean, yes, yeah, Cincinnati is at home. Yeah, they're undefeated. Yeah, they're 12-0. They're 8-0 in the conference. But look at the other side, man. U of H is 11-1. They only lost one game. And they really should be undefeated. They just let one slip through with Texas Tech. And they're undefeated in the conference, 8-0. and um, And to say that Cincinnati is favored to win 82.6% over U of H, you know what I mean, giving 17.4% chance for U of H to win the game, that's just outright disrespectful. Because when you look at the statistics, these teams are very, very similar. Yeah, Cincinnati might be a little bit better in some departments, but to say that they're that much better than U of H, it's just downright disrespectful. Even down to the passing. Clayton Toon averaged, well, Clayton Toon on the season, he has went 244 for 355, 3,013 yards, 26 TDs, and 8 picks. Ritter has went 223 for 338 on 3,000 yards, 27 TDs, and 8 picks. Look how similar those guys are. As much as Desmond Ritter has uh, beginning talked about, he's not that much better than Clayton Toon. And I have to say hats off to Clayton Toon because he really picked it up this season. I mean, I didn't think he had it in him, but he really picked it up this season. Um, and then we got to talk about the rushing attack. McCaskill, 162 carries, 844 yards, 16 TDs. This is a freshman running back, people. Then you look at Ford for Cincinnati. 182 carries, 1,055 yards, 17 TDs. Very, very, very similar. And I'm not really sure. Let me look at Ford, see how old he is. He's a junior. He's a junior doing what he's doing. And McCastle's coming in as a freshman. So, to me, that shows that there's a definite, definite 
talent difference in between the two. And then you look at Dale. Nathaniel Dell been balling, bro. 71 receptions, 1,027 yards, 11 TDs. Pierce for Cincinnati, 48 receptions, 802 yards, 7 TDs. They're not even close. That that just goes to show how open Dell gets. And must I even mention, Nathaniel Dell is only 155 pounds. So imagine what he'll be next season when he add on some more muscle and more weight. My boy balling, man. He is balling. And for someone to even just outright disrespect U of H like that, U of H might actually, might actually just put a whooping on Cincinnati. I mean, I'm just being honest. Um, you look at these points per game. Cincinnati averages 39.6. U of H averages 38.8. Points allowed per game. U of H allows 19.8. Cincinnati averages 15.8 allowed. And then when you look at the yards total, average on the season per game, U of H 421.7, Cincinnati 430.4. U of H passing, average 272.4, Cincinnati 253.6. Rushing, U of H 149.3, Cincinnati 176.8. Do you see how close this offense is similar in production and points and defense? Um, what they're doing, they're, they're very, very similar. Like, like, yeah, Cincinnati looks a lot better on the defense by, what, four points, but it's not really saying much right now. And then when we look at the yards allowed, this is where the difference is made. 289.5 allowed for U of H. Cincinnati, 303.3. Passing yards allowed for U of H, 191.6. Cincinnati, 161.5. Rushing yards allowed for U of H, 97.9. Cincinnati, 141.8. And now when you put those against the offenses and the defenses, so U of H allows 191.6 yards passing. But Cincinnati goes for 253.6. There's going to be some edge and some difference in that. And then when you look at what U of H throws per game, 272.4, Cincinnati allows 161.5. Somebody's going to dominate in the passing game. And then we're looking at the rushing. U of H rushes 149.3. Cincinnati allows 141.8. So, when I look at it that way, I feel like U of H is going to hit its averages. Now, the one thing I will say that Cincinnati may be able to slow down is, you know, they, they may be able to slow down our rushing because our rushing is allowing, I mean, our rushing only goes for 97.9. And we allow 97.9. And they rush for... 176.8 and with them rushing so much and, and them being so heavy handed in that, I think they might get over, get us over our average because it'll be a different kind of run game but I don't think they're no more physical than what we will see in a Navy team and I don't think that they're no more better than any of these teams that we already face it will be crazy to see U of H dominate Cincinnati but rather we win or lose, 
I'm going to be happy about this U of H team this year because they surprised us and they made a big turnaround versus what we had produced last year. And it's crazy to say that they even think the spread is going to be 10 and a half points because after I just discussed all this with you guys, they say the over and under is 53 and a half or 53 points. So you're basically saying that somebody's going to put up that many points on the other. I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, because these defenses are not allowing that many points, man. And one defense is going to play better than the other. And I think it's going to be U of H's. I just think it doesn't matter what turf U of H is on. And I looked at the weather. The weather is going to favor U of H because it's not going to be snowing. It's going to be cool, but it's not going to be cold. Um, and I just think U of H can pull it off. It's a 3 o'clock game in Cincinnati. I know U of H is going to show up and show out. The fans like to travel. Cincinnati is going to be black and loud. Uh, but, hey, I see U of H getting this win. And, unfortunately, for Cincinnati, U of H win, they don't get in. So, Cincinnati better leave it all out there on the, on the field. But I think U of H should do the same because there's no way I'm going to let you just walk through and win this game. Now, let's flip the page to basketball, people. College basketball. <clears throat> U of H has been playing well. Uh, lately, they have beat Oregon, 78-49. They beat Northwestern State yesterday, 99-58. And next up, they will be taking on the Bryant Bulldogs. Uh, now, the Bryant Bulldogs is 3-4, and four, and U of H is 6-1. and one. Um, Marcus Sasser has been balling out. There's, that's all I can really tell you, man. Like, he... The other night, he put up, what, 26 points against uh, Northwestern State. And in this game, this should be an easy win for U of H, but you can never overlook anybody in basketball because you never know when a baller might want to show up and show out. Even though the favor is in U of H's favor, you know, 97% to a 3% favor for Bryant, I look for U of H to still dominate this game. So let's talk about the Texas and m Aggies. The Aggies are actually coming off a loss, a disappointing loss, to a team that they should have beat. The Aggies lost to LSU. And if you haven't heard about LSU, they're getting Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. And uh, for Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, he, he's leaving uh, Oklahoma and going to USC. And USC loses a lot of recruits. And they lose a lot of good players that's already there. And a lot of those players have decided to enter the transfer portal. I don't know if the same can be said about LSU. And uh, Notre Dame, but there's going to be a lot of changes for both of those schools, uh, LSU and USC and Oklahoma as well. But um, yeah, and them lost to LSU 27-24 in a close game. Unfortunately, uh, they're still ranked though 20 at number 25 at eight and four. To me, honestly, at this point, they shouldn't even be in the top 25 because you have other teams that have way way less losses that uh belongs in the top 25. Uh, I think some of these guys just got to get over themselves with this SEC crap and uh, these big dog crap because it, it's, it's not realistic out here, people. Now, um, this 27, the 24 loss was pretty sucky. You know, we do a little recap on him. Calzada, he, he did throw three TDs, 242, um, you know, in the passing. But Max Johnson outplayed him, 306 yards. Three TDs. Looking at the rushing, 
This is where a they didn't get the ball rolling for Isaiah Spiller. It's uh, really a surprise to see Spiller held to 11 carries and 27 yards. I don't know what happened in this game. But, uh, you know, he, he's a, a top dog coming up out of the draft as far as running backs is concerned. Now, LSU on the other side, they, they handled their business on a run game. Um, Tyron Davis-Price did a damn good job. 19 carries, 84 yards. Looking at the receiving, though, uh, LSU dominated in the receiving department. 306 yards. Uh, you can't complain. Jeray Jenkins, 169 yards receiving total. Eight receptions, two TDs. That boy was balling, and he was going hard. Now, when you talk about the Texas A&M side, 242 yards receiving altogether. Devon A. Shane, he was the leading receiver with five receptions, 72 yards, but no TDs. Now, Jalen Preston, he had three receptions, 57 yards, two TDs, and he was the dominant receiver out of that group. Looking at the defensive side, A&M gave up four sacks and nine tackles for a loss to LSU. But A&M delivered six sacks and eight, eight tackles for a loss. So when you look at both teams, I mean, it seemed like LSU should have lost this game. It seemed like A&M should have won this game. But in some departments, they didn't produce. And some departments, LSU did. So, therefore... LSU took off with the win, 27-24. Now, there's not much to say about TSU, the Texas Southern Tigers, because uh, last week I covered them, and they already had their last game of their season, where they lost to Alabama State, 24-21. So, we're going to go ahead and cruise past them and move on to PV. Um, man, after PV took that loss to A&M, they actually ended up losing to Mississippi Valley State, and PV lost that game 24-19. At this point, PV is sitting at 7-4 and 6-2 and and in the conference. Man, it, it's been a big flip. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you, you take a loss and you just never get back right, but um, that's, that's basically what happened in this game because uh, quarterback pass uh, – he went for 21 for 36 for PV, 217 yards, two interceptions. As you can see, he didn't get in the right department of that ratio. Stewart for PV, 49 yards, 16 carries, three TDs. He definitely stayed in the red zone and in the end zone. But uh, Mullins, he had eight receptions, 96 yards. He stayed hungry, and he was starving. But he uh, just couldn't get the ball in the, in the times that he needed and get in the end zone to get the win. Unfortunately, PV goes down 24-19, dropped to 7-4. And, and next week, PV will be taking on Jackson State in the SWAT Conference Championship. And this is going to be a big game. I, I like to see PV show up and show out against Deion Sanders and his team in Jackson State. Jackson State is 10-1, and one, and like I said, PV is 7-4. and four. We're looking at the comparisons. Jay passed for uh, PV. He has so far thrown 2,546 yards, 16 TDs, 9 picks. And is that Keith Corbin playing for, uh, yeah, wow. Keith Corbin playing for Jackson State. He was a former U of H Cougar. 
He now plays for uh, Jackson State and Deion Sanders, and he's actually balling out for them. That's a surprise and a, a surprise transfer. Um, he's the leading receiver for them this far so far this season. Um, 63 receptions, 887 yards, six TDs. Nice to see him make that move to that HBCU. As I always say, it's got it's good to see these guys make these transitions. But um, when I look at this matchup, man, I don't really see a favor in PV's you know, direction. But when you say a seven-point spread is all is the spread, the game is in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I got to say, seven points, man, ain't bad. If PV can turn around uh, what they've been struggling on and get back on the right track because – you know, just a little while ago, we was talking about how dominant PV was. And now, you know, you lose Alcorn State, you lose the AM, and then you lose the Mississippi Valley State. And now you're looking at SWAT Championship and you haven't won any games. And that's bad for business. You kind of want to go into the SWAT Championship a little hungry and showing that you're still competitive. But right now, they're not looking competitive. And I hope PV can just pull it off. But. Honestly, you got to say, Jackson State is going to probably take that one. Now, continues to looking in the Sam Houston football. Um, Sam Houston is 10-0, and their next game is against Incarnate Word, Cardinals, a team that dominated, again, I think, against uh, HBU. Yep, they dominated HBU twice this season, 49-21 and then 55-14, and they're 10-2. And uh, they will be facing off against each other, um, Sam Houston and Cardinal Word in the FCS Championship second round. And Cardinal Word is 10-2, Sam Houston's 10-0, undefeated. And I got to say, Sam Houston should be able to take this one. I know Cardinal Word is a good team, but Sam Houston is, is one hell of a team, man, when we talk about football. And for this game to be in Huntsville, and the spread to be 13 and a half. That's just saying a lot. And that's just saying that Sam Houston should be able to take this victory. I'm not saying that they're going to run away with the victory. But you're looking at a team that's 10 and 0, undefeated. They don't look forward to losing. And you're also looking at a team that has already lost a couple games. And they're on like a five-game win streak. So, Incarnate Word knows how it feels to lose. And they know how to win as well. Um... Don't be surprised if Incarnate Word somehow figures out how to get this win and defeat Sam Houston. But one thing I know about Sam Houston, they definitely need this win because uh, they're still out to prove that they belong in FBS and that they are the new Conference USA uh, team moving forward. Then we got to talk about the old sad HBU Huskies. Um HBU last game was against Incarnate Word, so it's not really much to talk about as far as them uh, being concerned. I haven't heard about any new news about them making any coaching changes or pulling in any uh, new recruits, but hopefully, hopefully, that is in their near future. Hopefully, they get on the right track and make the right moves because I would definitely love to see this school succeed because... They have a beautiful stadium that they just built in 2014. Um, they got a young program. And it, it just so much 
there for them to eat and and grow. You know, uh, it's so much potential around this school, and they have a beautiful campus. I don't see why HBU can't be better than O and eleven. They should be at least half that, man. Six and six, or or I want to say six and five or whatever. You know, uh, they they got to do better. They 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 just really have to do better. But people. That's the H-Town Breakdown for today. I thank you all for listening. I hope you um, vibed with me through this sickness of me. Man, it's, it's, it's really killing me just trying to get these words out to y'all. But uh, I had to do it, and I had to get it out to y'all. So, hey, people, don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Continue to listen. Listen to Sports Talk with D-Raw on all different uh podcast platforms man i'm on apple i'm on spotify i'm on google i'm on all kind of stuff if you just google sports talk with d-raw i promise you i'm on the first page so with all that disrespect man we're not even gonna worry about that like i said i got good things coming a website where it will make uh sports talk with d-raw so much easier to find Uh, i'm working on t-shirts currently man trying to get that out there. I'm just trying to get my brand out and I want everybody to continue to listen. And I'm always looking for a second spokesperson um, just to, you know, listen and grind with me as well because um, I want to grow and I want to reach all kinds of people. And eventually I want to grow from just talking about sports and talk about, you know, things that's going on in the world because I'm educated and I know a lot of things that's going on. I want to talk about food because I love food. Um, one day I will be starting a channel on YouTube, you know, reviewing places around Houston, you know, eating good and, and showing y'all what I do. Uh, also, I will have a, a gaming channel coming as well. That will all be following under that that same title of Sports Talk with D-Raw because I'm going to play sports games. I'm going to eat good and let y'all know where y'all should eat and where y'all should be eating and watching the sports games. So, thank you, people. Shout out to... Everybody that's out there grinding and getting up every day, man, and putting food on the table for their family. Uh, love everybody. Peace out. And thank you for listening. Sports Talk with me.